the City Quick Connect podcast is brought to you by the Municipal Association of South Carolina. The South Carolina Freedom of Information Act is a much discussed law in local government. It it governs the ways in which both the records of public bodies and the meetings of those public bodies must remain open and available so that people can understand how their their governments are working. And it's what we are going to be talking about today. I am Russell Cox, editor of the Municipal Association of South Carolina's Uptown Publication, and I am joined today with the association's field services managers, Charlie Barino and Jeff Shacker. Charlie, how are you today? Doing great, Russell. Glad to hear. Jeff, how, how are you? Hey, Russell. Uh, doing great as well. I'm glad to be here. So... Sunshine Week in South Carolina, it, um, it's a week that occurs in, in March. It celebrates transparent government. And for that reason, we, in the March issue of Uptown, we usually dedicate a section to the concerns of open government. And there's, uh, whenever we put that issue together, we put a lot of Freedom of Information Act material in their FOIA. I always call it, some people call it FOIA. So this past March, when it came time for a FOIA story, I wanted to include a collection of some of the most common FOIA questions we receive. I put that question to Jeff and Charlie. As the field services managers, they're, they're answering plenty of FOIA questions in addition to all of the many other questions they're, they're answering. And, and they came up with a list. That's, uh, that's what we're going to be talking about here. It's definitely not an exhaustive list. These these are, as I understand, things that come up very frequently. And one we were just talking about, Charlie, are council work sessions considered public meetings subject to FOIA? Yeah, Russell, we get that question regularly, and the, and the answer is yes. Uh, I'll, I'll have folks that'll call and say, Hey, I, I would like to, to get my council to, to have a, a, you know, an informal discussion so that we can work through an item, maybe a, uh, more laid back social atmosphere where we can get on the same page. Maybe even have that at a, I don't know. I've been asked, can we have this informal setting at a restaurant where we, where we set the, you know, set the tone of working together? And my response is, sure, you can do that, but that is a public meeting that the public has a right to attend and, and have presence at. Uh, so you, you, you can have a work session, uh, but you have to have an agenda. You have to give 24 hour notice. Uh, you have to, uh, uh post that, uh, agenda at, at city hall where you're going to have the meeting. And if you have a website, you have to make that information, uh, available on, on the website. So, you know, yes, we, we, and we uh, find great value in work sessions, uh, but you have to give the public the ability uh, to participate. Absolutely. I didn't put these questions in any particular order. Are cities and towns required to release the draft minutes of meetings before those minutes are approved at the next council meeting? Yes. Uh, the answer to that question is yes. Minutes, once they're created like uh, correspondence, um, you know, contracts, other documents, they become a public record and they are uh, subject to disclosure under FOIA. 
what we recommend to cities is that once they've prepared the minutes and kind of backtracking just a little bit, you know, FOIA requires that the minutes be prepared within a reasonable time frame. You know, so at your city, a best practice is to, um, you know, the municipal clerk uh, typically or at least has the responsibility of preparing the minutes. The ideal thing would be that the clerk would immediately prepare the minutes following the meeting, possibly the, the next workday, mm-hmm. and then distribute those draft meetings to the council. I think that's a really effective way, while it's fresh on their mind, to have them review them and to be prepared to comment on them at the next council meeting. But once those draft minutes are created, they're a public, public record. Uh, they are subject to release under FOIA, and what we would recommend is that you either stamp them draft or you watermark mark them draft, because technically, you know, they're not an approved, you know, record of the proceedings that took place until they're, um, you know, approved by motion and vote of council at the next meeting. And word processing has that feature that just splashes it right across every page when you're creating it. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So to go back before the meeting. For the agenda, the question comes up of how can items be added to the agenda during that 24-hour period before the meeting when the agenda must be posted? Yeah, and that's another frequent FOIA, F-O-I-A inquiry, Russell. Um, I would make a note that uh, you may also have a question whether or not the agenda can be amended in advance of the 24 hours. We have gotten that question as well. Mm-hmm. You can do that. You could mm-hmm. amend the agenda and the, then resubmit the same process that you took, an updated agenda, as long as it was before the 24 hours. You could do that in advance. Um, but after the 24-hour period, with the uh, amending of the agenda, first and foremost, I'd encourage uh, folks to familiarize themselves with the flowchart that the association has has put out there uh, regarding uh, amending an agenda. If if the item doesn't require uh, a vote of council, the council can follow their uh, own adopted rules of order for adding the agenda, uh, the item to the agenda. Mm-hmm. Um, if the item requires a vote uh, and there has been a noticed public comment period, then adding the item requires a two-thirds uh, vote of, of those members that, that are present. Um, if if the, uh, the vote is final, though, so if this item that's being added is a final vote, uh, or if there's not been a public comment period, then, then adding the item requires a two-third vote of the members present, and then you you need to find uh, that it's an emergency or exigent circumstance. And I tell folks, really, the items that are weather-related typically, and obviously we've been through the pandemic, but those are the type items that are really warrant exigent circumstance. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then finally, cities can, um, the one thing that we tell folks, cities can cancel meetings if they are within the uh, 24-hour period. Uh, we do get that question from time to time. Something may come up, and there's there's nothing wrong with uh, communicating with the full council and then mm-hmm. canceling or rescheduling the meeting and then following that same notice process that you used uh, to create the meeting. Okay. So when something is public information under the Freedom of Information Act and it exists in a document that people can make a request pursuant to the South Carolina Freedom of Information Act to receive that information. It's usually called a FOIA request. A question that comes up, as I understand, is, you know, 
FOIA requests can come from anybody within the public. It can come from the news media. But the question is, should elected officials be required to submit FOIA requests to obtain public information within the records of their own municipality? Well, it, that, that's that's a good question, and unfortunately, it's a question that uh, Charlie and I have both gotten on a few occasions. And you know, when you think about the question and and the scenario that's playing out, it really is a symptom of a bigger problem. And so, we would encourage cities when when they have a situation where the required use of FOIA to obtain information is being considered, then there, there may be some issues that need to get resolved with either that individual council member or maybe with the council as a whole, because, again, mm. it's symptomatic of a, of a bigger problem. But our take has been on um, any requirements in an elected official submit a FOIA request that the answer is no. Now, there's a there's an AG opinion that, that uh, is a couple of years old now, and the AG you know, in substance agreed that, that no, an elected official of a local government entity does not have to use FOIA to obtain information. That, that's what we teach as well, even mm-hmm. before that AG opinion. I guess my take on it personally is if a council member comes, you know, mayor, a member of council, whoever, comes and they request an item of information, I think they're entitled to it as a member of the governing body. Now, they're not the council. They're an individual member of council, and they can't commit the council to anything. But I think a really good practice is then the individual that receives the request, the mayor, the manager, the administrator, the clerk, whoever you know received this request for information, that they would make the rest of council aware of the request and the fact that if the other members of council would like to have access to that information, maybe not obtain it. You know, it may be somewhat cost prohibitive to make five or seven or nine, however big your council is, mm-hmm. copies of this piece of information. It may just may not be very feasible. Um, but certainly they could come down and look at it at city or town hall, and you would make the other council members aware of that ability to do it. I think it's just good. That's a, a good, healthy form of communication. It's a good way to ensure that every council member is treated the same way. And I think it's good for the council to know if they're receiving, if staff's receiving repeated sometimes complex information requests from a single member, I think the rest of the council should be aware of that. So, I mean, it kind of, it checks a lot of boxes. But they, but we don't believe, and the attorney general appears to support this, that a council member uh, must use FOIA to obtain information. We think they can obtain it by virtue of their membership on the governing body. So, also on that topic of FOIA request. Something that comes up in probably most any government is whoever handles the FOIA request will receive some blanket request for, you know, all the information on something, and it will be from some entity that appears to be a commercial firm. And this is addressed in the law itself. So what should the FOIA officer do when receiving requests like that. Yeah, and, and, and I think that all of our officials uh, elected, appointed, I mean, we should all have the mindset of, of, you know, trying to do our best to always honor these FOIA requests. And uh, our, our goal should always be transparent. But at the same time, uh, we need to be mindful of, of these, these rules and, and regulations that are there. Um, South Carolina Code Section 30, 
2.50 prohibits anyone from knowingly obtaining personal information uh, obtained from a state agency or local government or other political subdivision of the state uh, for commercial solicitation. So it's common for Jeff and I. I mean, we will have folks that say, well, can we uh, th- th- have gotten requests for, you know, all water uh, customer addresses, email addresses, building individuals that have gotten building permits, you know, and you have to ask yourself, are these individuals trying to then commercially solicit uh, these individuals for their own, you know, personal or economic use of that business? Mm-hmm. And so the law says that that when fulfilling a, a Freedom of Information Act FOIA request, that uh, it requires the government requires give notice of that section of the the law 3250 of the requester and so many of our municipalities those that have an online request form uh, they will highlight that there and you will have to you know enter a toggle to and select that to acknowledge that you're aware of that so those that don't have that uh, we uh, recommend that they send the the commercial standard solicitation standard to the re- responder uh, before giving any information uh, let them know and then have them respond back that they acknowledge that they're not using this for, for commercial purposes before they begin to discuss uh, furthering the request mm. of the FOIA request. The last one I have on my list, uh, very topical for this year. There's a lot of work happening during 2021 for business license standardization. To comply with the new law, the South Carolina Business License Tax Standardization Act, Act 176, uh, steps that cities and towns with a business license need to take by January 1st, 2022. Business licenses, as I understand it, come up in the context of FOIA. So the question here is, what information must cities and towns withhold? And what information must they release when it comes to FOIA requests on city-issued business licenses and also city-issued permits? Well, Russell, I think your use of the word must in the question was, uh, was really well done because, <laughs> you know, there's a difference between something that's exempt mm-hmm. under FOIA and something that a city is prohibited from releasing. And when it comes to sensitive taxpayer information, the city is prohibited from releasing that information. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it would be a violation of state law to release it as opposed to just simply taking, I shouldn't say taking advantage, but 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 uh, taking advantage of an exemption in the law not to release it. You know, that's a choice, whereas mm-hmm. the prohibition, there's it's a must, like, like the word you used in your question. So... So information related to the gross income of a business or the uh, value of a job, maybe it's a contract, you know, maybe it's um, work that a permit's been issued for, that information is taxpayer information that is protected under state law and you cannot release. There are also taxes paid that can't be released because a requester of the information could use the tax paid then consult the city's ordinance to determine what the rates are, and they could reverse calculate mm-hmm. the gross income or the value uh, of the job maybe that's being permitted or licensed and determine that number. So 
that's another item of information that uh, the, the city cannot release. The rest is really just personal identif- identifying information that you shouldn't release and would, would be problematic under the law as well. Um, you know, Social Security com- numbers come to mind, mm-hmm. tax ID numbers, those things you would not release. Um, now, I mean, you've got to release the, uh, the name of the individual or business that is licensed or, or permitted, um, their physical location, uh, where they did the job, if that's a different location, their contact information that they submitted. Um, now, I think, you know, a gray area here would be contact information that's just not uh, in the public domain. Um, you know, some, some examples of that that come to mind may be a personal email account. A cell phone number that's not listed. Um, I, you know, you've got to use some judgment there because, mm-hmm. again, that's in a gray area. I think you also have to keep in mind, too, not that we would ever recommend to a city that they not try to fully comply with the spirit of FOIA and transparency. But I think sometimes when you're in a gray area like that, you may want to fall back on the resolution mechanism that exists in state law for questions related to FOIA. You know, there there's the circuit court's available, and um, you know they can make rulings on behalf of a, of a request from a member of the public who is trying to obtain information, and they can do the same thing for a governmental entity that's trying to determine whether or not they should release information, or if a request is overly burdensome or unreasonable. So you know don't don't forget that that's an avenue too when you're not certain about what you should do, and of course legal counsel. You should always consult legal counsel in those situations. Jeff, you mentioned um, fully complying with the spirit of FOIA. And, you know, the spirit of FOIA is that information that is public should be freely available. And I I know this is something that you guys have talked about. Things that cities and towns can do when they know something is cut and dry, available under, should be available under FOIA, what they can do to make that information as easy to access as possible and even cut down on FOIA requests. Yeah. And, and, you know, uh, that, that is, is basically a, a website or having an online presence, uh, you know, even maybe consider social media presence, but, and those costs, uh, have come down to have, uh, your own, uh, website. Uh, and also the maintenance of a website, uh, has become much more simple with, with standard, standard, uh, content editors. And, um, so, uh, even our smallest municipalities, you know, I would encourage it, it, to find a way to have an online presence so that you can post regularly, uh, your minutes, your agenda, the budget, uh, your audit, your annual audit, just those, uh, again, as you said, Russell, items that create the spirit of, of FOIA and the, uh, the transparency, uh, those will cut down on a lot of questions and, and really builds the trust of the public that uh, you as elected officials, the stewards uh, of, of the public are, are doing the best that you can uh, to be transparent. There is a publication put out by the South Carolina Press Association. Um, I have consulted it many times. We have a link to it on our website, on the Municipal Association's website, on a guide to compliance with FOIA that uh, even breaks down the individual sections of the law and provides an explanation of each. And 
Yeah, that's uh, Jeff and I share that guide with every, uh, that's one of the first publications that we give to every newly elected official in our state is is that uh, FOIA guide from the, the press. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, just like you, I, I know Jeff's the same, we, we access that weekly uh, and, and link that and reference that to elected and appointed officials. Well, that is that is all I have on on FOIA. Any any final thoughts? Well, I, just just like Charlie said, I mean, I, you know, when you receive a FOIA request, I really think a, a best practice there is to be as responsive as possible to try to make it as convenient as you can for the requester. I mean, it, it's it's the public's information. You know, you're just a custodian of that information, mm-hmm. so I think you need to accommodate them to the to the greatest extent that you can. And then, like we talk about with so many things, you've got to treat everyone the same way. And so, you know, what we would recommend is that cities, and and actually the law requires this, that now, it used to not, that you, um, you know, establish and adopt a FOIA policy and that you use that policy to govern, you know, your response to FOIA requests, um, whether or not you charge and how, you know, the, the calculation of those charges and that you uniformly apply that policy. Um, you know, with no, no preferences or prejudices mm-hmm. there. And then, you know, that, that'll keep you, um, you know, in full compliance with the law. Well, Jeff, Charlie, thank you both for joining us. Thank you, Russell. Yep, thank you. The City Quick Connect podcast is one of several ways the Municipal Association keeps you informed of the opportunities and issues impacting South Carolina cities and towns. Learn more at www.masc.sc and stay up to date with the association's latest happenings on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.